Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me, as always, is Charles, second tallest libertarian that we know of, Thompson. Charlie, are you feeling great today or no? Not good? Oh, for, for everyone else, I'm feeling great. Yeah. I'm no longer stuck, by the way. You're, so. not, you're here. Yeah. You made it out of that terrible $70,000 a night hotel room. Yes. In Me- at the Mexican border. Yes. Yeah. It, it was awful. <laughs> it was so bad. But you're you're maybe a little bit under the weather today. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah. But for everyone else out there, I feel great. When I came in, as usual, you were asleep, which is actually <laughs> just like a normal day. But That's today it was because you were sick. That's not true. Today, it's not like all the other days where it's because you were tired. Today, it was because you're sick. <laughs> Yeah, so you had a good excuse, and that hardly ever happens. Every time you come in, I'm asleep. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much every single time. Or you're in Mexico. Oh. Either You're either no. in Mexico or you're asleep when I get here. Okay. All right, you know, that's fine. It's <laughs> well, fine nowadays. This is the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. So make sure you hit that subscribe. We haven't said to smash the subscribe button in a while. My screen turned off when I did that. Whoa. Your connection's right, now a little... It's back. Connection's a little loose. Yeah, the whole HDMI is going to be loose. But anyway, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow or whatever whatever terrible tyrannical podcast Smash app is. Smash it, touch it, tip it, tap it. You know the thing. You Oh, exactly. Speaking of you know the thing. So uh, <laughs> so Biden did his first press conference today. Her very first one. Huh? And um, I, I just turned it on, immediately was laughing my face off. Screen recorded it, posted on TikTok. It's at 30,000 views already because it was so ridiculous. (laughs) Literally the first line I tuned in on, on the press conference was so good. Let me see if, uh, let me see if I have that here. I believe I do. This is right when I came in and I was like, what the heck is going on? The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. I'm, we're going to get a lot done. <laughs> <laughs> and then right after that, I mean, this was right. This is right after. It looks like there's a cut. There's a cut in the video that I did, but it was only to cut out more awkward silence. Mm-hmm. I didn't like cut out him saying this amazingly beautiful, per- perfect speech between. I made a cut in the video to cut out more awkward silence mm-hmm. when he then went into this little thing. Um, let me see what it was. Okay. Um, hang on. Uh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> so that's basically like your rundown. Is like, okay, uh, where are we at here? <laughs> oh, okay. And then right after that, they ask him about whether or not he's going to run for re-election. And uh, that at this time, his predecessor had announced that he was running for re-election. Uh-huh. And he starts laughing. He does the nervous, like weird laugh. Him and the, the mm. politicians are really good at the <laughs> that question. <laughs> While I'm thinking about what to say, right. that thing. And was, here's what he had to it's say. So good. I said it need to needed to <laughs> my predecessor. Oh God, I miss him. <laughs> oh God, I miss him. <laughs> oh Trump. Oh Trump. I, One more time. That was good. <laughs> I said it need to needed to. <laughs> My predecessor. Oh, God, I miss him. <laughs> oh, God. 
So it was uh, worth it. I mean, I watched like five minutes of the press conference and I miss him. It was good. I miss him. <laughs> he also, I remember because you had it playing for a while. Uh, and as we were working, I remember him saying at one point, he didn't like a question that was asked. And he was like, where do you people come from? <laughs> <laughs> where do you people come from? All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to cut in here and tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. You've heard us talk about them before. It's Charlie's favorite app, BetterHelp. You can go to BetterHelp.com or you can download the app. BetterHelp is this great app that pairs you with a licensed therapist. So it's therapy over your phone, all right? If you are having a tough time getting by right now, maybe you're dealing with anxiety, maybe you're just not as happy as you think you should be, maybe you're not finding the meaning in life. You know, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. Maybe you're not finding that meaning in your life that you think that you should be. If you're dealing with anxiety, with depression, with relationship problems, BetterHelp has got a licensed therapist for you. It's super simple. You just go to the website, betterhelp.com slash GML, and that's going to give you 10% off your first month, by the way. So you go to betterhelp.com slash GML. You make an account. They ask you some questions about yourself, some preferential questions, and they're going to pair you with a therapist that they think will work best for you. If you don't want that therapist, that's fine. You just pick another one. Okay, it's safe, it's secure, it's a way to actually talk to a therapist without having to go into the office much cheaper than going into the office, by the way. Listen, taking care of your brain, of your mental health is super important. I don't know if you know this, but your brain controls everything that you do. Okay, so maybe it would help you to be talking to someone about it. You can message through the app, you can do video call, you can do voice calls, all kinds of stuff with the BetterHelp app. So go get that app. Make sure you sign up through betterhelp.com GML to get that 10% off your first month. You tell them we said, hey. All right, uh, so the main, the main topic of the day, I didn't, we didn't comb through Biden's speech and go through all of the little lies and and misstatements of fact or whatever you want to call them uh so we don't have that ready for today because that would have taken a lot more time and i didn't want to do it so the thing that we do have today you know charlie yesterday this is how this is how uh, terrible we are as white males here mm -hmm. yesterday was equal pay day we oh. didn't even mention it i thought it was like national dog day or something no it was equal pay day oh yesterday and so what that is well, is paydays were on Friday. This this <laughs> it's this fictitious day where women this is how far women have to work into the new year to earn as much as men made the previous year. Oh. And so that's that's what that is. And so we didn't mention it yesterday and honestly just to show how little we care about that. We thought we also had to wait longer into our podcast week to actually mention yeah. this is when we got to the amount that we actually care about this. And the reason I say that is not because I don't care if people don't get paid equal. You just, you, you can't help it. You're just a mansplainer. I'm just mansplaining things. Yeah. But the other thing. That's why we have all these women listen to our podcast. Yeah. They like to listen to us mansplain. Yeah, that's one of the, their favorite things to do, actually. <laughs> um, that's, I don't know, according to my wife, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> no, the reason I say I don't care about it is because it's a completely bogus statistic. What a battle axe. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the number... The number doesn't work at all. No. And it's been debunked so many times. And there's still this this big uproar. But it's around. just like it's just like the taxes have been debunked when oh, yeah. when it's 
uh, you know, a billionaire pays a less percentage of tax than an average teacher and policeman, whatever family, even Biden said in his press conference today, mm-hmm. it's completely bogus stats. Like statistics matter. I don't know if you guys have ever taken a statistics class before, I have. ever. Yeah. I know you have, but what the 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 data that you're getting the stats from actually matters. What it matters. There's no things called variables and variants. <laughs> you have to take those into consideration. So you're saying that the way that they do it, which is by averaging, or the or doing the median, maybe is what they do of all men. And all women and coming out with a difference of like 80 cents on the dollar. You're saying that that doesn't make any statistical sense whatsoever. No, makes no sense whatsoever. That's that's crazy. Uh, before we uh, before we get into that, because I kind of want to do this after we talk about Megan Rapinoe, who is uh, the most famous women's soccer player. I'm sure you've all heard of her before, although that might not be the case because Charlie had did I'll not know you, who it was. It didn't ring a bell when you mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Megan. Uh, I'm sure you're a great person. I, I really think I really think you probably are. Uh, deep down inside somewhere, past all the hatred. Yeah. Um, we don't know for sure. But. I just, yeah, I didn't know who you were until just now. So That's probably why she gets paid less, I would say. Uh, but I don't know. I can't name any soccer. Honestly, she's, probably I'm just a she's white the male. only soccer player I can name. Hmm. I don't know any other ones. Wasn't there a Mia Hamm? No I clue. Mia Hamm is... Couldn't tell you. She was a previous... Female soccer player, I think I remember. Could Am I right? Who yeah, knows? Look, see, thanks, Todd. There you go. Okay, yeah, ham. So I, I remembered caught, her. I went on to Facebook last night when I was going to bed, and I clicked on Facebook Watch, which I actually haven't done in months. And this was the first video that popped up, and so I was like, "Well, this must be some type of a sign here." The Facebook algo gods want me to talk about this on the podcast tomorrow. Because we forgot to mention equal pay. Mm. So there's a couple insane parts of what she's about to say. But everyone just give us a, a minute and a half here to listen to the great wisdom from Megan Rapinoe. Let's, uh, let's what we've learned this. and what we continue to learn is that there's no level of status and there's no accomplishment or power that will protect you from the clutches of inequality. One cannot simply outperform inequality or be excellent enough to escape discrimination of any kind. We're so often t- Okay, so we'll just pause right there. It, it's not in you, you can't do it. There's no it's level, no level of status. There's no level of, of achievement or whatever you just said that could, that could make it possible for you to ever escape the clutches of inequality. Yeah. It's not possible. You can't even make it to the moon. No. Do it. It, it's, right there, clearly, she's all about setting you up for success. Yeah. It's, I just... Let I, me set you up for success. Already, like, that's look, the message that you want to tell people? Yeah, exactly. Look, uh, life is terrible. There's nothing you can do about to escape. There's nothing you can do to escape the clutches of inequality, and then you're going to die. Yeah. What a powerful message. Mm. I feel ready to wake up and, and, and get on with my day now. That is uplifting. It's, yeah. It's 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 uh, and and just <laughs> I have no idea what I'm Let saying. Let me restart that real quick because we got to make sure we catch all this. And what we continue to learn is that there's no level of status and there's no accomplishment or power that will protect you from the clutches of inequality. One cannot simply outperform inequality or be excellent enough 
to escape discrimination of any kind. We're so often told in this country that if you just work hard and continue to achieve, you will be rewarded and rewarded fairly. It's the promise of the American dream, but that promise has not been for everyone. The United States women's national team has won four World Cup championships. We've won four Olympic gold medals on behalf of this great country. We've filled stadiums, we've broken viewing records, we've sold out our jerseys, all the popular metrics by which we are judged. And yet, despite all of this, we're still paid less than our male counterparts. For each trophy, of which there are many, for each win, for each tie, for each time we play, less. We are looking to carry this uh, torch for so many other women. And I feel like, honestly, we've done everything. You want stadiums filled, we filled them. You want uh, role models for your kids, for your boys and your girls uh, and your little trans kids, we have that. You want us to uh, be respectful. You want us to perform on the world stage. You want us to take the stars and stripes and the red, white, and blue across the entire globe and represent America in the best way possible. Uh, we've done all of that. And, and simply, uh, there's no reason why we're underpaid uh, for the exception uh, of gender. That's yeah, That could be the only explanation. That's the only thing. That's what, it. What size were the stadiums? Same size? Don't worry, Charlie, because <laughs> I spent the entire day looking up all of this. And, you know, I mean, literally, I knew that this was the main thing I wanted to talk about today. So all I have done today is look up all the statistics. That's on like this. if I have a if I have a band and I go on tour. Yeah. And it's a sold out tour. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but every venue only holds like 100 people. We sold out a lot of basements on that tour, we man. Sold out so many houses. <laughs> the backyard. That backyard was packed. And I'm telling you, we didn't get paid the same as Nickelback. It's not fair. That is not, that not, is not fair. fair. So, Everybody hates Nickelback and they got paid way more than we did. So, and I want to tell you, you couldn't even see the fence in the backyard. That's how way many people more people there. hate Nickelback than hate your band. <laughs> I know. Way more people. Okay. Yeah, it's completely unfair. There's a couple other things that I'm not going <laughs> to, that we won't go super deep into, but they do have a different pay structure, by the way. The women's soccer team opted in their negotiations for a, a guaranteed salary pay for each game. They get a, they get paid like a base rate of a hundred thousand dollars. Something mm. like that is what they end up getting paid. The men's, they get pay for wins. And, and they get they take so I you're believe telling a me much, the women took a guaranteed they pay. took guaranteed pay no and the men took a bonus pay if they did really well so you're saying the men were riskier yes and yes their, no mm -hmm. that can't be yeah I don't know a single woman <laughs> who wouldn't take the riskier option yeah and so uh, and even some of the other statistics I was reading through a lot right now this isn't what I have prepared right here but um, of the uh, there's like twelve soccer players total that are paid over a million dollars that make over a million dollars six of them are men six of them are women and the average pays for the two of them it was it was 1.2 million for the women and 1.4 million uh for the men mm -hmm. and so it's it's not that far away where it actually where it actually gets further away is for the payouts for winning like a fifa cup that's where it comes so as i was saying i, I went through all kinds of stuff today and it started to sound really familiar i was like i've i've looked at this before and so the best article I could find covering all of these stats at the end of the day was from goodmorningliberty.us. <laughs> is this your own? <laughs> this is one that I wrote like a year ago yeah, or so when, when this was originally going on. So I knew that I remembered all this and I went through 
a whole bunch of it already. So here was my controversial title. I think this is from the end of 2019, something like that. After studying the numbers, it's clear the women's U.S. soccer team has paid too much money. <laughs> okay. Oh, you man, you. So this is in my own words right here. After the U.S. women's soccer team won the 2019 FIFA World Cup, a chant of equal pay could be heard in the crowd. In addition to the emotionomics chant heard by the crowd, <laughs> numerous news outlets, including Vanity Fair, CNN, Vox, Splinter, Business Insider, led with misleading headlines about the viewership in the Women's World Cup versus the 2018 Men's World Cup. It's actually pretty interesting how they pulled these numbers. So let's break down the numbers and understand why this is another manufactured, completely baseless complaint. So the basic idea here is that the U.S. women's team is being paid less for the same or more viewership as the U.S. men's soccer team. The official, the official statement was that women's team is only making 40% of what the men's team is paid. So let's talk about the viewers. I'm going to show you guys who are watching live a couple of the headlines that I pulled from this. So you can just see the, the way that they will manipulate. Here's one. It said, millions more people watch the women's World Cup final than the 2018 men's final. So you're like, man, well, this isn't about viewership and attendance. Millions more people watch this. Okay. Millions. Millions. So you just, I like how it says, remind us again, why the men's team allegedly gets paid more. (laughs) (laughs) And then another one right below that women's world cup final ratings, top men's 2018 championship game by 22%. So now you're hearing all this. You're like, well, we can't take arguments about more people watching the men's game or anything like that. By God. (laughs) By God, God, this is not fair. (laughs) This is not fair. Okay. What is happening? But don't worry. I dug into it some. So the the main idea here is the Women's World Cup ratings top men's 2018 championship by 22%. So here's the big difference. A massive difference that you should not be able to ignore at all. The 22% win by the women's team is talking about viewership in the United States. They're not talking about worldwide viewership. Mm. And... This year, the, so the Women's Cup garnered about 15 million TV viewers in the U.S. That is, in fact, higher than the U.S. viewers for the 2018 Men's Cup. Here's the problem. The men's soccer team was not in the 2018 World Cup Championship. Actually, they didn't even qualify for the 2018 World Cup Tournament itself. The 2018 Men's World Cup Championship was between France and Croatia. So the websites are actually comparing U.S. viewership for the women's game that featured a U.S. team playing and a game that did not involve the U.S. men's team to make the case that the U.S. women's team is comparable to the U.S. men's team and TV audience. Mm. I mean, you, you can't really make this stuff up. Yeah, there you go, Joe. He, he knew. So FIFA has estimated that the total worldwide viewers will come in around 1 billion people. The last time the men's U.S. team made a, made a notable run in the World Cup tournament, what was the viewership? In 2014, the U.S. viewership came in at 26 million. The worldwide number was 3.5 billion. Half of the world for the men versus one-seventh of the world for the women Mm. watching the World Cup. Mm. So remember, they can manipulate these statistics in any way that they want to. They literally... Four years prior, the men had 26 million viewers and the women... And that, that wasn't even the final. That what they didn't No, get, they didn't make it to the, the final. The men still. have actually yeah. I don't think they've ever made it to the <clears> final. <throat> they've um, never played for first place. The men the men's soccer team. So it actually uh it said it's probably important to note it it says, this is me writing this. 
it's probably important to note that in 2014, the men's U.S. team only made it to 15th place, <laughs> while the 2019 U.S. women's team made it to first. That's right. In 2014, when the U.S. men's team only made it to 15th place, they still have more viewers than the 2019 team that made it all the way to the, to the world championship, whatever they call it. It's 50% <laughs> more viewers, by the way. That it's, means that's uh, 12 million more viewers. Yeah. So uh, uh, anyway, since we're talking oh, that's about like 80% more, it's a lot of viewers more. Yeah. So uh, I said, let's look at 2018 versus 20, 2019, since those are the years currently in question. Attendance, Charlie, you brought up earlier. Well, the, he filled stadiums. <clears throat> the average attendance for the Women's Cup was 22,000. The average attendance for the Men's World Cup was 47,000. Mm. The total attendance for the Women's Cup in 2019 was slightly over 1 million, while the total attendance for the men's in 2018 was over 3 million. That's all difficult to quantify, and it's also important to note that the 2018 Men's Cup was in Russia, Russia. And, the and the 2019 Women's was in France. Mm. Okay, so maybe a little bit easier to do that, too. If the ticket prices are the same, you can clearly see that the ticket revenue for the 2018 Men's Cup was three times the ticket revenue for the women's. That's if the ticket prices are the same. In reality, the average price for a 2018 Men's Cup ticket was $200, and the average price for a Women's Cup ticket was $75. The Men's Cup sold three times as many tickets at over twice the price. That's roughly eight times more in ticket revenue for the Men's Cup. Mm. Told you I dug through all this stuff, man. Mm -mm. Pulled all of that. So, so now we get to the FIFA prize pool. Yeah, because it's still not enough. It's still unfair, mm -hmm. Nate. But remember, despite no, all these man stats that you've been I know. man spewing, still unfair. <laughs> man spewing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let me stat all over you guys for a little bit more. How about the FIFA prize pool? This year's prize pool for the Women's Cup was $30 million with the champions taking $4 million. In 2018, the men's prize pool was $400 million, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> with the champion taking home $38 million. So it could make the argument that the men were done a disservice based on these numbers, considering the fact that men took home 9% of the prize pool, while the women took home 13% of their prize pool. So there's an obvious glaring figure staring us right in the face, though. Why is the men's prize pool so much bigger? These figures are difficult to find, but I do have totals from the women's last win, which also happens to be the year they broke all the records for U.S. TV viewership of women's soccer with 26 million in the U.S. watching the championship game. In 2015, the Women's Cup brought FIFA a total of $131 million in net revenue. In 2018, the Men's Cup brought in $6 billion in net revenue. So also realizing that the women's prize pool represents a much higher percentage of the total revenue for FIFA compared to the men's. So the women's prize pool, which what did we say it was 30 million, mm -hmm. is actually is actually 27% of the total money that FIFA brought in from the women's cup. The men's prize pool, which was uh let me see 400, 400 million? million was only 7% of the 6 billion dollars that FIFA brought in for the men's world cup. So the actual point is that w the women's team is being paid 40% of what the men's team has paid, although they are bringing in a much smaller percentage of the revenue. If the pay was represented solely by the revenue, we might end up with a pay scale that pays women only 15% of the men, and it would still be economically justified. Mm -hmm. mm. That is like Shakespearean poetry. Right yeah. Yep. <laughs> Shakespearean mm -hmm. man spew. Yeah. <laughs> so that, do you know what a lot of people who would hear me reading all of that would hear? 
unfairness. Let's just, yeah. I'm sad. <laughs> That's what they would hear. Right. Not, none of I'm the with action. Amanda here, though. She yeah. said, in fairness, I have no idea why anyone watches men's soccer either. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Call I, me when it's hockey. I'm not into That's it. That's right. I like hockey. Not into it at all. Big hockey fan, big football fan. Hockey and football are two best sports to watch on TV. I'm in the U.S. football. That's what I'm into. Yeah. Not uh, that yeah. European not football FIFA, or whatever. Not, not FIFA football. <clears throat> Foot, you got the football. <sighs> uh, look, it, 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 why do you want to watch a game that's literally 0-0 for three hours? <laughs> that's what I ask it's, about hockey a lot, Charlie. No, but hockey's not that long, and it's way more exciting. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. <clears throat> Tell me you have more fun at, at hockey games. I've never been to a soccer game, so I can't accurately answer that question. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, you'll, you you'll be able to soon. Nashville <laughs> yeah. has a soccer team yeah. now because, of course, it's it's so good. But so, so, look, the, the other thing I want to say about this, too, is that, um, it, you know, I don't even like watching soccer on TV. I will say in 2014 I did watch the historic run for the men's only because that's the highest they'd ever made it was 15th place <laughs> and the only reason why i watched it was because i got together with a bunch of other guys we wore american flag bandanas and like painted our faces and uh did you do that for the women's soccer we drank a bunch of water did you do that in 2019 for the women's soccer thing no one invited me anyway oh okay so no yeah i got you <laughs> no i didn't even know they were on tv were they on tv they must have been i'm sure yeah, yeah. obviously they yeah. were everyone watched it yeah yeah i bet baseball was on that night too so i i just <laughs> The the thing is, like people the Spanish want... the Spanish announcers are really exciting. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, people want something to 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 claim unfairness about is all I can come up with. Mm. I mean, you can clearly dig into the numbers on this and see why the women's soccer team is paid less. And like I said, the massive pay disparity is in the FIFA Cup payouts. And you're saying that there is a massive discrepancy. If, if the payout for the women was the same as the payout for the men, then the payout for the women would be three times what they even brought in in total. Yeah. In total. You would have to take from the men. Yeah, literally. Revenue so, to add it to the women. So no, it's not unfair. It's not the same. Yeah, it's actually it's unfair towards the men because right. the women get paid a higher percentage of the FIFA's income than the men do. Yeah. That's what I found from this. You found that they actually make too uh, much. Man. Yeah. Anyhow. I mean, so, let me just say this. Soccer, I am impressed. You imagine all, I mean, that running back and forth. I get tired watching it, man. That's, That's not crazy. for me. It no. is not for me. No. no. But, but um, now back to the, because I don't really have a, another article with the equal pay thing, but back to the, the entire equal pay argument since we did miss equal pay day. I mean, Charles, like what, off the top of your head, other than sexism, why would you say there are reasons that women could end up getting paid less if you well, looked if you looked in career field to career field? And by the way, I happen to know empirical evidence here. Or empirical anecdotal, who knows? Empirical evidence here. Uh, my wife's been working longer than one of her coworkers who happens to be a male and or a shorter time at the company. Sorry, than one of her mm -hmm. coworkers. I think it's a lot more than he does. It's because mm -hmm. she's a lot better than he is. Yeah. And I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. Look, there's a great book <clears throat> called Why Men Earn More. And it's by Warren Farrell. It's it's a great book. And what you have to do is you have to compare the uh, similar people, uh, a similar male and a similar female with the same education, the same experience, the same literally everything, works the same amount of hours and whatever, and see who actually gets paid more. And actually, when you do that, on average, women get paid more for the same job. <laughs> 
Now, there are some cases it is possible because labor is a commodity, folks. This You have to talk about this in economic terms. Labor is a commodity. An employer wants to hire you to get the maximum amount of value for the cheapest price possible. Why? So they can increase profits and invest somewhere else. Okay? They need you to do a job, a certain job, to the best of your ability to pay you the least amount that, that you're willing to accept to do that kind of job. Labor is a commodity, which means commodity prices move all the time. Okay, so you come into the workforce at one point and somebody comes in another point, depending on your skills, skill set, whatever. But when everything is exactly the same between a male and a, and a woman, on average, the women actually make more when everything is the same. But for the most part, things aren't the same. You want to know why? Because we're all diverse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, the left <clears throat> loves diversity until it doesn't work out in their favor. Let me. Uh... But I think some of this is from that book as well. Tell me, tell me about your, just one quick thing, a story for you, Charlie. Tell me about what you do when someone offers you an amount of money per money uh, per hour for a contract. Like that what, I don't like, like I've literally heard, I've heard someone call you on the phone and offer you a hundred dollars an hour before. Mm. And what do you do? I say no. Yeah. You say <laughs> no. I heard a company one time offer you a hundred thousand dollar a year salary. Yeah. What'd you say? No. <laughs> no, that's, that's too much yeah because too much. Of what, because i want to be fair yeah. <laughs> so that's part of it right yeah you have to negotiate so yeah, you, you absolutely have to negotiate i literally heard you counter back with like double the amount that they've yeah, asked you before exactly <laughs> and what you actually find in the statistics is that i don't know why women are less likely to do that they've done a lot of surveys a lot of stats mm. on this Women are a lot less likely to negotiate well, look at their the, salaries. The, look at the women are much less risk adverse or much more risk adverse mm -hmm. um, by, by just by looking at the data. Just general statistics that doesn't account look for at, every single no, woman. No. Yeah. And look at and, and, and it has to do with temperament, by the way. So we've they've done the psychological studies, the, the, the temperament um, on average women are just much more risk adverse. And you look at the women's team versus the men's team, the women decided to take a guaranteed salary as part of yeah. their, uh, their bargaining agreement, their collective bargaining agreement. Whereas the men decided to take a more risky approach to say, plus it gives them an incentive to win the game. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, Nate, you better run faster, dumbass, or we ain't getting paid after this game. Apparently it hasn't worked, but they're working on <laughs> no, it. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it hasn't worked as well. But, well, I mean, it has worked in their paychecks mm -hmm. because they've won enough to, to be able to get paid. That's one part of it. Uh, others is working less hours, part-time versus full-time, overtime hours. Men work about 12% more hours per week than women. That just happens. That's already, remember, yeah. we're already talking about a pay gap of about 80 cents on the dollar. You're talking about that gap right there. We can already say men work on average 12% more hours than women do. That already accounts for a large part of the gap. Mm. Just, just right there. Okay. 25% um, of men work 41 or more hours per week compared to only 14% of women. Okay. They work different jobs. Yeah. Uh, we already mentioned this. Men are two times. They're twice as likely to ask for a raise than women are. Um, just to ask for a raise. Just to ask for one. And you're more likely to get a raise if you ask for one. Mm -hmm. Like the chances you're going to get your, maybe your yearly cost of living raise. But it's rare that the boss is just going to pull you into the office and say, hey, I'd like to give you a 10% raise. Yeah. 
It's not really going to happen. So if men are twice as likely to ask for the raise, it's a lot higher likelihood that they're going to be getting raises than people Mm -hmm. who aren't asking for raises. That's right. Uh, After the denial of a raise, only 10% of women surveyed continued negotiations. Yeah. So they were told no, and then they were like, okay, that's it. Uh, Men are 20% more likely to ask for a higher salary. At the beginning of of the negotiation. I do that all the time. Yeah. And in fact, I ask for a way higher salary because I know that they're going to come in lower and then some we meet in the middle, which is what my original number was. Yeah. And that's typically what, what they do. Now, this isn't the case for everyone. Okay. We're all diverse. There are some women that are way better at all this than there are, than there are men. But on average, when you look at, at temperaments, um, uh, this is one of, these are several factors of why on average men make more. I, I would be in the outside category for men overall because I don't ask for, uh, like, I don't ask for raises. I don't negotiate for high. I negotiate myself down, honestly, yeah. when I'm talking about pay. So I'm not in that category no. of, no, you have to give me more at all. And and so that's it's this is not some type of ironclad rule for everyone. So mm-hmm. we're not saying that women never ask for raises or they're, but they're never talking assertive. about men versus women on average. So that's yeah, what we're talking that's about. What you're going to come up with is men so, versus women on average. And it all really comes down to agreeableness, right? It's one of the big five personality traits. Women on average are much more agreeable than men are. <laughs> okay. It's, mm-hmm. it's just yeah. the way that it is. That's it's, what it's, does that say? Yeah. It's built into the psychological development. Now, now, do I think that if a man and a woman with the same experience and do the same work, or whatever, should they be paid the same? I think they should. What? Right? You're <laughs> saying that people should be paid the same for the same work? For the same work, if they have the same experience and all that. I, yeah. think, I think they should, as long as they both did the same job of negotiating for the same, mm-hmm. for the same rate. Right? It's- you have to remember, you're the one saying yes. Okay. No one else is signing the dotted line for you, okay? And it, when you go into it, when you go in, when they send you that that offer letter, okay, especially if you're doing a corporate job or something else like that, you it is well worth your time to counter that, mm-hmm. right? Because they need you. They're offering you a job. They need you. And you have to be willing to either walk away. I did this when we were in Mexico. I was, I was, I bought some jewelry for, um, I bought, I bought this great piece of uh, jewelry. It's, it was like one and a half ounces of silver. And, uh, so he wanted to start off. He wanted 2,500 pesos, which was, uh, that's the equivalent of about, um, let's see divided by 20. So 250, that's $125. He wanted $125 for it. I was like, no, 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 that's way too much. I was like, the spot price on silver is only like, <laughs> you know, $30 an ounce. Let me pull up my charts real quick. I was like, so I'll, I was like, I'll, I'll give you 500 pesos, literally from 2,500 to 500. He's like, oh, I can't do that. I was like, okay, well, I don't want it. And he goes, what about 2000? I was like, well, I can maybe do 600, 600 pesos. He's like, oh, I just can't do it. I was like, fine. I don't want it. And he goes, okay, what about a thousand? He went from 2,500 down to a thousand like that. <laughs> And I was like, no, that's still too much. I was like, the most I'm going to pay for it, which is just above spot price for silver, is 800 pesos. And uh, he was like, 
oh, no, I can't do that. I was like, that's okay. I don't want it. He goes, oh, everybody's turning me down today. So, okay. <laughs> 2,500 pesos down to 800 pesos because I was willing to walk away. I was willing to say, no, that's I'm not paying that. Yeah. Not doing it. And I would, re- I would much rather just not have the piece of jewelry. Yeah. You know, for my lovely fiance. I just... I think it's important for it. First off, the the overall statistic, we all have to be able to agree that the way that they calculate the number is ins- is insanely bogus, makes no mm. sense as far as statistical calculations whatsoever. Mm. So if we are going to have the conversation about women being paid less than men, then we have to start from an accurate basis for the comparison. I cannot have the conversation based on this 80 cents, 77 cents on the dollar, whatever it is. It is a completely insane statistic that holds just don't hold no boat water at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. You just, the, the dog don't float. So it just ain't going to work, man. There's holes in the pail. Yeah. Um, so one final thing to, uh, to, clo- to, to close us out with. I thought this was interesting, Charles. I don't know if you know this. Now, I, was, I wasn't going to pull a fee article until I got my New York Times article. And then I got a fee article emailed to me that were both kind of the same thing. And I was like, whoa, this is weird. The New York Times mm. and fee kind of posting about the same thing at the same time. How about that? That's weird. Two articles at the same time, man. Mm. Okay, That's so... I had a million dollars for that. Yeah. Americans are wildly misinformed about the risk of hospitalization from COVID-19, survey shows. This is from fee.org. And don't worry, we're going to back this up with a New York Times article right afterwards. A recent survey found that more than one third of Americans overestimate by as much as a factor of 10, the probability of a person with COVID-19 will require hospitalization. And it's actually, it's, it's a lot worse than that even. They're, they're being fair on those numbers. Researchers involved in the, in the Franklin Templeton Gallup study asked Americans in December what percentage of people who have been infected by the coronavirus needed to be hospitalized. The correct answer is not precisely known, but the best available estimates are around between one and 5% of people end up needing to be hospitalized. Okay. So I'm going to put up the chart so you guys can see what people actually answered on this survey. This is, this is interesting. We'll just say Republican here. 26% of Republicans got the answer right between one and 5%. Okay. And then 15% said six to 10 Five said 11 to 19, 23% said 20 to 49% of people were hospitalized, and 28% said 50% and up were hospitalized. That is, most of the people that took the survey were wrong. Like 70% of the people that took the survey overblew the, like overshot the number. Wrong. 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 Democrats, remember it was, it was 23% for 20 to 49 uh, 28% for 50% and up for Republicans. 10% of Democrats got the an- got the answer right, between 1% and 5%, compared to 26% for Republicans. Okay. 14% said 6 to 10%, which is about the same as Republicans. 6% said 11 to 19, which is about the same as Republicans. 28% of Democrats said it's 20 to 49% of people get hospitalized when they get COVID. And 41% of the Democrats that responded said that over half of the people that get COVID are hospitalized. 41% of Democrats thought that. It's all in the feels, man. It's, it's, it's what all, I feel is it, happening. It's all about what, it's all about like what news you watch. Like that's, that's really, that's really all it is. Like uh, libertarians didn't fare much better, by the way. Um, it, it, they're probably categorizing this independent slash others. That's a, that's a big mixture. 
Um, but it was a, it was roughly the same. Twenty percent of independents got it right, uh, but thirty five percent said fifty percent or more. Yeah, they're they're so, not going to be a very big portion of the independent because forty percent of the country identifies as independent, mm-hmm. and three percent or less are libertarians. That's right. You know, so it's still a really small portion. My guess is libertarians all guessed it right, or they all said zero. Yeah, or that it wasn't mm-hmm. real. I don't know. I don't know which one of this. So to add on to that, from the New York Times, the U.S. media is offering a different picture of COVID-19 from science journals or the international media. A study finds. All right. Do you want to do this one, Charlie? I yeah. read the last one. Go ahead. So Bruce Sacerdote, or Sacerdote, <laughs> an economics professor at Dartmouth College, noticed something last year about the COVID-19 television coverage that he was watching on CNN and PBS. It almost always seemed negative, regardless of what he was seeing in the data or hearing from scientists he knew. When COVID cases were rising in the U.S., the news coverage emphasized the increase. When cases were falling, the coverage instead focused on those places where cases were rising. <laughs> and when vaccine research begins showing positive results, the coverage downplayed it. So they, hmm. when, so when the overall cases were rising, they were talking about the increase. When they were falling, they talked about places where it was rising. Where it was still increasing. And then when the vaccine came out, they downplayed what the vaccine could do. Mm. (laughs) About 87% of COVID coverage in national U.S. media last year was negative. The share was 51% in international media, 53% in U.S. regional media, and 64% in scientific journals. If we're constantly telling a negative story, we are not giving our audience the most accurate portrait of reality. We are shading it. We are doing a good job telling you why COVID cases are rising in some places and how the vaccines are imperfect, but not such a good job explaining why cases are falling elsewhere or how the vaccine saves lives. Perhaps most important, we are not being clear about which COVID developments are truly alarming. That's from the New York Times. Yeah. Now that was from their email list, not an actual New York Times Very article. Very deep, deep yeah. down, never to be... Brought up again. They would never actually put that out in an article. It didn't. It wasn't front page. Yeah, they wouldn't want to do that. What I, you know, the last line. First off, of course, everyone. The media is concerned with the science. The scientific journals were sixty-four percent negative, and the U.S. media was eighty-seven percent negative about wow. COVID. <laughs> They're very concerned about the science. It was the last line, Charlie, that was very interesting to me. They said, perhaps most important. We're not being clear about which COVID developments are truly alarming. And that reminds me of almost everything that we hear all the time, because we're in a constant state of a lot of people crying wolf all the time. It reminds me of things with COVID. It reminds me of things with systemic racism and all the issues that we have, where everything becomes, uh, it's because of white supremacy everything COVID is going to kill everyone. And then eventually you cry wolf for so long that no one really pays attention anymore because Mm. you're just not a viable source of information or they're sick of hearing it or, you know, they just don't trust you. And so that's fine. More listeners for us. Yeah, which is fine. But they said that we're not being clear about which COVID developments are truly alarming. And that is an important part right there, because if there actually are new COVID developments that are really dangerous that we all actually need to know about and it's very serious who's going to pay attention to it Mm -hmm. everything's been terrible all the time there's never any good news it would just be another day of news there's 
because all they do is cry wolf all day. Well, because they're not actually reporting news. They're yeah. just they're they're spinning a narrative. Yeah. I will say I've noticed that the, the media has gotten a lot better about it since we have a new president. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's been a lot different. I wonder what the stats are now. Yeah. Probably 87% positive. <laughs> it's <now>. true. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that Charlie, he's so funny. All right, before we go any further, I'm going to tell you guys about MasterMyStonks.com. Yes, Charles, Chuck, Stuck, Too Tall, Something, Thompson, and I run the Liberty Trading Academy been trading for several years now. We worked out all the kinks so you don't have to. All right. So if you're somewhat interested in getting involved in the stock market, then this is the place for you. You can simply type in master my stonks, S-T-O-N-K-S, mastermystonks.com. You can use the promo code SAVE20 to save 20% off your first two months. That's 20% off your first two months. That is a crazy deal. We got over 300 videos on there. We start literally from vocabulary words, how to use a trading software, how to read charts. And then we go all the way up to the strategies that we trade on a daily basis. I go live every morning at 8 a.m. Central Time, 30 minutes before the market opens. And we talk about what's moving in the morning, what we're going to be trading when the market opens. I stay live for my first bit of trading in the morning. I'll stay live until about 9.30 Central Time, my time. So you get an hour and a half of live trading from me starting at 8 a.m. Central Time, okay? So if you're interested, maybe you're not. Maybe this doesn't make any sense to you at all. Maybe you're tired of hearing about it. I don't know. But I happen to believe that one of the best solutions taking care of all the stuff that we talk about on this podcast that can just be bringing you down all the time. I happen to believe that one of those things is actually taking care of your own personal financial situations. You don't have to be dependent on who's going to be in office at what time, pushing what policy. You guys know the thing, all right? So if you can actually learn a new skill that could pay your bills if you hit the right button on time, Literally, that's what you got to do in trading. You have a strategy and you just have to hit a button and make sure you're trading your strategy. Make sure that you're a disciplined human being for a couple hours every single day. Then you could actually start paying your bills like that. Now, that's obviously not a guarantee. That's all going to be dependent on you and whether or not you are managing your risk and whether or not you are being patient and whether or not you're trading your actual strategies that you've tested and that we've tested and that we've shown to everyone. So anyway, you go to matchmysongs.com. Use the promo code SAVE20. That's all one word. SAVE20. Just do it all in caps. SAVE20 to get 20% off, 20 off your first two months. Master my stocks. You stay classy. There's a link in the show notes, by the way. And I'm also going to go ahead and tell you guys about the Patreon group. That's patreon.com slash Liberty. For as little as $5 a month, you can join in on the live crazy mess that we have going on during every show. Everyone posting crazy gifts and we're talking back and forth. Honestly, I wouldn't want to do the show without the live group that joins every day. It's hilarious. It's not very PC. I'll go ahead and warn you about that. So if you can handle that, then it's a good group for you. 
So we got the private ser server where we're all in there talking all the time. We got a memes channel. We're bouncing Liberty ideas back and forth. There's writers in there bouncing writing ideas. We got ideas for Dumb Bleep of the Week, which we do every Friday. So we got members throwing in ideas for Dumb Bleep of the Week. And you get the vote on what the Dumb Bleep of the Week is on Fridays, which is our most popular episode. So if you are interested in actually putting your money where your keyboard is, your keyboard warrioring money towards something that could change the tides of tyranny back towards the shores of liberty or something like that. I don't know. That sounded pretty good. I don't know. Then go to patreon.com slash good morning liberty. And there's other tier levels too. There's a lot of people that pay $15 a month and that money goes towards running advertising on whatever you want, by the way. And not to mention, you get a coffee mug along with your $15 subscription. You get a nice less government, more freedom coffee mug. When you sign up for that, it pays for itself, literally, okay? But all the money from Patreon goes back into advertising. So we'll ask you, what's something that you care about? Do you have a specific article that you want to push? Do you have a specific video you want to push? What is it? And when you say, here's this thing I want to push, then we're going to post it to our social media and we're going to throw your subscription level donation behind that push, that post every single month that you're signed up. Okay, so you are actually getting the word out there to people by signing up on patreon.com slash Liberty. So if you want to actually put your money where your mouth is, that is the place to do it. Go, I'll see you there. Or I'll see you on another time. All right. Back to the show. All right, guys. Well, that's all I have for today. That's all Charlie actually mm -hmm. uh, wanted to do. He said that he wants to go back to bed right now. Mm -hmm. He's feeling very, very sickly. And uh, I hope it's not COVID, but it probably is. And we're all going to die. So I'll anyway. still do this. Apparently, I'm going to end up in the hospital, according to these stats. Yes, uh, there's a so, good chance Charlie will be in the hospital tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So what are you gonna I'll do? do the show from the hospital bed. Don't worry. <laughs> That would be kind of fun, actually. We yeah. should do that. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Tell a friend. Tell a family. Tell a whole family tell, yeah. about the podcast. You go, see a family on the side of the road. Go to Disney World with signs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. If you can afford Disney World and go there with listen to Good Morning Liberty podcast signs. Exactly. That's actually the number one way to get the word out mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Yeah. Tell a friend. Tell a tell a family. I'm with you on that <laughs> one. That's That's really good. Share the show with all of them. Leave us that rating and review wherever you're able to. Uh, Apple Podcast. Uh, I don't know if you can on Google or not. If you listen there, Stitcher maybe. I know you can't on Spotify. Uh, they, they really got to get their stuff together at Spotify. Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. But leave us that rating and review. Five stars, please. It helps us on the charts and the algorithms uh, so more people can find us. And that's all free to do. And we really appreciate all of that. If you guys do all that, we'll be back again tomorrow for Dumb Bleep of the Mother Trucking Week. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. The best way to get something done, if you if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway. <laughs> I'm, we're going to get a lot done. And